Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love each other deeply. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Close yourselves with humility towards one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Love one another. 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 Get the point? Do you think helping each other is important in the Bible? Do you think it's important in our lives? Is it important in the church? Absolutely. It's something we've got to get down. Really the truth is it's part of a much bigger plan. It's an important part of the plan. Verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. We read that earlier, right? I know I heard that before. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith goodness into goodness knowledge, into knowledge self-control, into self-control perseverance, into perseverance goodness and godliness, godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us everything we need for what? That we can keep growing and keep learning and advancing spiritually. The the, the church is not a club that you join. Now you're in, okay, you're in the safe group. It don't work that way. If you're not growing and moving forward, you're probably dying or becoming petrified. You ever been to the petrified forest? I think I talked about this already. These are these, you see branches, and you pick up the branch. It's not a branch. It's a rock. It once was a branch. It once was a living organism that was growing, but it became petrified because it stopped growing. And now it's just dead weight. And we don't want to be that spiritually, amen? We want to be dynamic and growing and advancing. And it doesn't matter whether you've been here two days 
for 30 or 40 years or if you were one of the 3,000 baptized. We still keep growing and advancing because God is transforming us. That's why I got a picture of a butterfly at the bottom of the page. Because that's what the Christian life looks like. When we're not Christians, we're in the cocoon and when we come out, we grow. And we become something so much more than we ever were before. And it's how God works. And it's not just a self-improvement plan. It's not just so you can be the best version of you. It's much more than that. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. You were dead. I was dead. I was an object of wrath, the Bible says. If I'd have gone to judgment without becoming a Christian, I'd have been the very thing God is trying to wipe out and destroy. That would be me. That would be you. But by becoming his people, we become part of his plan to change everything for the good. And it starts with us, right? Changing myself. You changing yourself. And growing and learning. He says, you were dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work, now at work in those who are disobedient. There's a spirit out there. You can actually be spiritual with the wrong spirit. Where you're negative and critical, where you're cynical, where you relish in doubting and questioning everything. Or you can be filled with the spirit of God. Where you believe and believe the best and hope for the best. Where you strive to grow and be the best. He says, all of us who lived among them one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. He said, we used to be just like the world. We did whatever we felt like doing. If I felt angry, I just got angry and treated people bad. If I felt impatient, I just gave into it. If I felt lustful, I just went out and gave in to it. So that's the way we used to be. And that's what God is calling us out of. And we, because of that, we're like objects, we're objects of wrath. Deserving God's wrath. You say, well, are you saying Christians never fall into those things? No, we fall, we mess up. The difference is we repent. We confess it and we repent. And we keep striving to be more like Jesus. Or really what we have to learn to do is strive to fill our hearts with the Spirit of God. And that will help us. That will make us more like Him. Because you can't white-knuckle Christianity. After a while you get tired and you just want to quit. Because you know you can't do it. You can't. But God can It's learning to rest in God. It's learning to rely on the Spirit. It's learning to fill up your heart and mind with the things of God. And that's what makes us stronger. Some of us are tired because we've been trying to do it ourselves. And it's no, denial, 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 no, can't do, won't do, shouldn't do, shouldn't have done, wish I wouldn't have done. And we're beginning to realize, I can't do this. That's right. You can't. 
But with God, all things are possible. With God is victory. And he says, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Remember that that time that you separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God is pulling you in. Let Him. Let Him. God is whispering in your ear. Listen to Him. God is urging you to make good decisions. Why? Because He's he's transforming us into the people of light. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. In other words, really know the Bible. Know the gospel. Know the scriptures. Have them in your heart. Memorize them. Quote them. Read them. Share them. He says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Not only have it in our hearts, but help each other with scriptures. With all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing. There's, you know, singing does something, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I got to be honest. I don't listen to Christian radio a lot, but when, you know, I'll go to it and it just does something. Next thing I know, I'm singing along. Next thing you know, I'm feeling good. Next thing I know, I'm caring. It changes us. Every morning I put music that lifts up my heart. And I listen to it. There's something about worship. It just changes us, right? It transforms our hearts. When I became a Christian, there was a lot of music I had to just stop listening to for years. Because how it affected my heart and my mind. You know, I'd sit there and I'd start playing my music. Slipping in the darkness. You know, and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be singing this. I'm not supposed to be slipping in the darkness. I'm supposed to be scrambling out of darkness. So either rewrite the song or pick another song. God has given us multiple tools. I'm talking about four. One is prayer. Another is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, He's here. He's here today. Look around. Where? The Holy Spirit is neither here nor there. He's within us, right? The kingdom of God. He moves in the kingdom of God. Another is Scripture. There's power in every word of God. There's power. It changes your heart. It changes your mind. Those of us who are Christians, we change our entire lives because of some things we read. Not because of the person reaching out was so wise or so persuasive. It talked us into changing our religion. No, it's because the Word of God changed our hearts. It's powerful. And then there's another one that's probably the most complicated one. (laughs) Each other. One another. Definitely the most faulty of the tools. But it's the one that surrounds us all the time. Everywhere we go. And the one that we have to deal with. And the one that makes us rely on the other three better. 
Life's a journey, right? You're, you're on a spiritual journey. I'm on a spiritual journey. We start out that spiritual journey in baptism. And we go through and we're learning stuff. And then we go, you know, when you come out of the waters of baptism, you immediately go into boot camp. You know, somebody's teaching you how to live a Christian life. How to have a quiet time. How to get up earlier. How to, how to show up at church. How to get your seats. How to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, first everybody was saving you seats and offering you rides. And all of a sudden, boom, now it's up to you to get to church. <laughs> and nobody saved you a seat. In fact, your friend's got a new friend in your seat. <laughs> what? And you got to figure out how to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then, of course, there's, there's training in our groups and in our ministries that just teach us and help us to become better and better Christians all the time. And then there's always Satan right there trying to get us to quit. Always looking for that opportune time. When is it? I don't know. But he knows. What is he going to tempt you with? I don't know, but he knows. Because he knows you. And he's always there. And we're developing great friendships. And, and we're learning all kinds of cool stuff. And sometimes it gets really intense. Sometimes it's overwhelming. And we've got to learn and grow. And our faith has to keep increasing. And this is the problem sometimes is we stop growing. The challenge gets bigger. And pretty soon the challenge is bigger than our faith. And we get crushed. You know they sent this little spy camera in this way to the bottom of the ocean in, in, in the Caribbean, the deepest parts of the ocean. And they put it in this case that was like two inches of steel and like three or four inches of glass for the camera lens. And it was really intense little iron ball because it's like thousands of pounds of pressure down there, right? And they dropped this camera down there with a light to see what's down there where it's 25,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. I mean, anything would just get crushed. And it's down there. And guess what it found? Life. Little fish swimming around. <laughs> and they didn't have a steel case. They didn't have three inches of steel wrapping around them. How did they not get crushed? Because the pressure pushing out is equal to the pressure pushing in. That's the Holy Spirit for a Christian. It's got to be pushing out or you get crushed by the world. Your spirituality has got to be equal or greater than the challenges you're dealing with in the world. Does that make sense? And then of course there's fun with your Bible talk. And, and meanwhile you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're that butterfly. And then you finally die and boom, there's Jesus waiting to hug you. Isn't that awesome? How much did you become like Jesus? I don't know. Maybe you're really awesome and you're 5% like Jesus. What? Don't get prideful. You mean that's all I might become? Yeah, God's grace covers the rest. Amen, right? Well, I'll tell you what it does. It should keep us, any of us, from being prideful about how we are and who we are. We're not better than other people. We're just forgiven. Amen? And we get up and we keep repenting. And we keep trying. It's a journey. We have four tools. 
They are all part of discipleship. They're all part of the calling to be like Jesus, to become like Him, and to help others become like Him. Prayer, Holy Spirit, Scripture, one another, it's all part of that. How we fulfill that great commandment. Methateosate pantataethne. Go make disciples of all the ethnicities. It's literally what he says. Disciple all the ethnicities. Is a direct translation. Go teach them. Go help them. To do this. To be like Jesus. But for what purpose? To get to heaven. Not just to get baptized. Honestly, one of the biggest mistakes we made is we put too much emphasis, I believe, on baptism. And we celebrate like they'd reached the goal. That's not the goal. Did you see my chart? That's the beginning. That just puts you on the freeway. That means you're there. It just you now you took the on-ramp. That's baptism is the on-ramp. Now you're on the freeway. God bless you. You got a lot of challenges ahead of you. You know? And hopefully, you have friends that will help you. Hopefully, you've got a good prayer life. You're reading the scriptures. You're, you're tuning into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't somebody who comes and visits once in a while. What was the good news of Acts 2 is that you will have the Holy Spirit all the time. Not as a visitor. You have Him in you. That's what was so incredible. But it's like anybody. You know what? If somebody goes and visits you and you ignore them too long, they're going to leave. Right? You ignore the Holy Spirit, you live as though you didn't have one. Spiritual friends. It's discipleship. People to help us. This is... We turned discipling... I think we got kind of sideways on discipling. But we didn't really understand it anymore. And it became more, I think, and, you know, I think, generally, I think intentions were always good. We always set out to do good things. We're good people. We're trying to help. But things get out of control. Well, discipling is the exact opposite. It became more about control, right? In a lot of situations. Instead of really just helping somebody to do what they already committed to do. Right? Being there for each other. And there's keys. I just want to clear up a few things on this discipling thing. Then, of course, God gives us Bible talk. That's, this is the key group right here. This is the nuclear family of God. This is your mom and dad, your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, your little brother, your little sister. Our church did best when we were all in healthy Bible talks. When we de-emphasized Bible talks and focused on Sunday mornings, our church stopped growing. That's documented. Our Bible talks have to be great. That's our little family. There's stages of discipleship. It's not a, it isn't the same. It isn't the same for a brand new Christian who's in college as it is for a 45-year-old, you know, man who's got a profession and been in the kingdom for 50 million years. You know, it's different. It evolves like any relationship, right? There's stages. These are these are one model here of spiritual development timeline. The first stage 
and this is documented, and this is from research, okay, it's not, I didn't just make all this up, this is actually research, I don't have time to bring out all the research, but if you ever want, I could, we could do more in-depth classes, but first stage, there's, 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 there's the classic four stages, and then the fifth, chaos, and that's not being a Christian, that's like preschool years, you just, you don't know what your schedule is, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what you're doing that day, you don't know to raise your hand or sit down or stand in line, you learn all that when you go to school, right? That's conformity. You start going to school, you learn all these things. Stand in line, raise your hand when you want to talk, you know, be part of a group, conform to the group. Same thing happens spiritually. When we're in the chaos stage, we just we have no rules. We make up our religion as we go. A lot of people are in that stage. What's your religion? Oh, I made up a new religion last night. I believe in this. I'm a little bit Hindu, a little bit Buddhist, a little bit Christian, you know. And, and people do this. They just make it up and they change it as they go. It's chaotic. But then you become a Christian and all of a sudden it's conformity. And it's good. You're learning how to read your Bible, how to have a quiet time, how to have a D time, how to, how to get to church, how to have what meetings you should go to. That's good. You need the basics. Nothing wrong with that. But then something happens. We go into spiritual adolescence. And when someone's an adolescent, what do they do? Question everything. Why are we doing this? And they love to rebel. Why do we have to do that? How come I got to do this? Christians go through the same thing. Some people started at the, like their second year. Some people their 10th year. Some people their 30th year, you know. They start questioning everything. And that's a difficult, I mean, if you have preachings, you know how difficult that is. Right? God bless you. It's hard, you know. I remember my cute little angelic, little, pre, you know, elementary school girls, something happened when they went to middle school. <laughs> I mean, I remember telling my, we're buying a one-way ticket to Mexico. And they're going to send her to the ranch, and my family has a ranch, they'll work it out of her. Because she is difficult. Well, you know what I'm talking about when our kids hit that age, right? That happens spiritually. But the problem is most churches, most all churches, don't allow people to question things. They clamp down, they come down, they squash them. To try to get everybody to stop asking questions. Yeah. And, and, and parents do that too. And then they find out they blew it. Because yeah, right. it doesn't work. Yeah. you got to answer those questions. Yeah. That means you have to be more like Jesus now. Yeah. And be patient and kind. And explain. Take the time to explain. Take the time not to react to rebellious attitudes. Right? right. But to work with them. Yes, call the battle rebellion. You know, we taught our kids, you can, you can question anything you want, you can say anything you want, you can even bring up things, anything you want, but you need to say it with love and respect. You can't just sit there and fire away at me. That's not right. The Bible says respect and honor your parents. But you can say anything you want, so they, they, they took me on it. They said all kinds of stuff. They questioned everything. Everything. How do we know that I have to obey you? Well, the Bible says it. Well, how do we know the Bible came from God? Well, because it did. Well, how do we know God's there? You know, I mean, everything. And they had to work it through. And spiritually, people do that, right? And then, Lord willing, as they're developing out of that, they go into the conviction stage. Where it's no longer, what do we believe? What, what do we do? You know, do we believe in that? I remember asking that. I remember, you know, somebody, one of those people could knock on the door and ask me something. I didn't know the answer. No. And so I go call up my, the brother who helped me and, do we believe in this? You know? But as you grow, you learn, no, no, here's what I believe. It's my conviction. 
Yeah. It's my conviction to get myself to church. It's my conviction to read my Bible. Yeah. I don't depend on somebody asking me all the time. Uh -oh. I don't depend on others forcing me to do what I've already decided to do. Now that doesn't mean I don't need help. I need help. I'm trying to eat a very healthy, regiment diet. You know what I'm doing? I take a picture of everything I eat and I send it to Doug right now. Because it just holds me accountable. So when somebody offers me a Twinkie, I think, I don't want to take a picture of that Twinkie and send it to Doug. Because he's just, that's his accountability is good. If you want to reach a goal. If you're trying to get to... Now, if you don't really want to reach that goal, then accountability is horrible. But thank the Lord, judge, Doug doesn't judge me. He's not, brother, I cannot believe you ate that hamburger. <laughs> but he's not afraid of... I'm sure if I... I haven't done it. If I sent some pictures of Twinkies, he'd probably say, brother, stop it. Get back on track. Get back on track. He would encourage me. And that's, and, and that's why you need people who love you in your life. Amen? You don't want people who hate you and judge you. Because they're just, you don't want to send them a picture of a Twinkie. Forget about it, you know? But we grow in our convictions. And that's supposed to get us all the way to the completion. To where Fernando Sanchez is. He finished the race. He did it. That's why we need discipleship. That's why we need people in our lives. And let me just say this. this is, discipleship is not lording it over. It's not policing. It's not being everybody's spiritual parole officer. It's not exercising control on people's lives. It's not manipulation. It's not guilting and shaming to get people to do things. It's not burdening people. It's not judging people. It's not controlling. It's helping it's serving. It's loving. That's where it should come from. And that's how it should be delivered. Even if it has to be strong. Even if it has to be a challenge. Or even a rebuke, I dare say. In Hebrews 12, he tells us, The Lord rebuking us is a sign of His love. Because He cares about us. There are times... That I have needed to be rebuked because I was being stubborn. I was being prideful. I needed somebody to get in my life and challenge me. I remember I told a brother one time, I was a young Christian, I said, I told him, I said, you know what? I, and I thought about this for several days. I told him, I, I, I said, we need to talk. So we went to this little prayer spot that we used to go and pray. And I said, I've decided to fall away. And he said, what? Why? He said, you know, you, you told me I'm prideful. I think you're right. I am prideful. I don't think this is going to work for me. This is not going to work. And I don't want to cause others to stumble. So I'm just going to disappear. I tried to make it sound noble. <laughs> and I thought the brother was going to reach over and hug me and say, oh, brother, hang in there. We love you. He said, you know what? You're right. You are stinking prideful. That you would think the better thing to do is to quit on God? Are you serious? Instead of just humbling yourself and turning yourself into God. I thank God that I didn't quit. 
I wouldn't have the marriage, the family, or all the amazing experiences I've had. Thank God he spoke the truth to me. You know, I didn't want to hear it at the time. He says, let me back up. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of, the way of their way of life and imitate their faith. God puts wonderful examples in front of us. Not always perfect, but he puts examples that we can learn from. This is what it is. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, Paul said. We have people around us. There are people in this room. They're incredibly loving. There's people in this room that have amazing faith. There's people in this room that are such great servants. There's people in this room that are so merciful and so forgiving. Find out who they are and imitate them. Learn from them. Watch them. Ask them, how do you do it? How did you change? Learn from each other. Your Bible talk has great people. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Imitation is its such a great, it's, it's a shortcut. I don't have to get hit by a train to know it's bad. Right? I can learn from other people's mistakes. That's the best way to learn. Learn from others. We end here. You take prayer, the Holy Spirit, Scripture, Bible talks, spouse, close friends, prayer partners, Bible talk. And what comes out? <coughs> Victory comes out. For the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God, and gratitude in your hearts. The reason I have those two scriptures is because some things are purely spiritual, like the Holy Spirit changing your heart. But some things are very practical. Somebody come up and talking to you about something. I'm just telling you, bro, sister, I think this. I think you got to work on this or that. Or let me encourage you to do this. We need that because we all want to get to heaven, Amen. But not even wait till we get to heaven. We want to be the best we can now. Here. And especially those of us who are spouses or parents or trying to build a relationship with somebody. To be our very best. What does the world need? The world needs a lot of little Jesuses running around. The world is in darkness. It needs light. This isn't a comprehensive lesson on discipleship. But what I hope to plant in your heart is to understand the need and the importance of it. I know things went wrong sometimes. and I had some, I had some terrible disciples. I had some great disciples. Even the terrible ones I learned from, though, caused me to grow. Caused me to pray more. You know? Caused me to learn how to forgive. And that is good, too. In all of it. The Lord is working. One of the areas we really need to grow in is our discipleship as a group. Appreciating the Bible, prayer, the Holy Spirit, and each other. Getting each other in our lives to help us all get there. And not just what you get, but what you give. And how you can help those around you.
We'll stop there.